0: Welcome back to the AWB COVID-19 Employer Resources Webinar Series, presented by Kaiser Permanente. Today, AWB President Chris Johnson is joined by AWB Government Affairs Director for Employment Law and General Counsel Bob Battles for part two of our look at Employment Law and Managing a Virtual Workforce. They're joined by Jennifer Dye, Certified Business Advisor for the Washington Small Business Development Center. Rick Goggins, Ergonomist, Division of Occupational Safety and Health at the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries, Tim O'Connell, Partner at Stoll Reeves LLP, and Britt Provost, VP of People and Culture at Accolade Incorporated. The webinar will begin after this word from our sponsor. What we do now will forever change our tomorrow. So let's do the right thing today. Let's stay at home, let's wash up, Let's always keep our distance, please, six feet apart at least. Let's look after ourselves as well as others. It will all be worth it. We can all do our part so those on the front line can do their part. And when this is over, we will all continue to thrive.
1: Good morning, and again, welcome back to our weekly webinar series. I'm Chris Johnson, President and CEO of the Association of Washington Business. I'm joined today by Bob Battles, our General Counsel and Government Affairs Director for Employment Law Items. This is a great chance for us today to talk about so many of the human resource implications of this ever-evolving situation that we find ourselves in today. Let me begin by thanking our presenting sponsor, Kaiser Permanente, for making this possible. Due to their support, we're able to provide top quality programs and information just like this uh, for you, your employees, and your community across the state. Bob, you've been assisting many of AWB's 7,000 plus members uh, throughout this issue of employment law items that come up during the COVID-19 response. Can you share some of what you're hearing from Washington employers and their
2: employees today? Thank you, Chris. Uh, Yes, you know, while we've moved to a virtual workforce, what I'm hearing from our employers are those employees still are located physically somewhere. They're located in their homes. They're located sometimes in their offices, but most times they're now away from the workplace. I hear a lot of our members talking about how do I protect my workers? How do I ensure that employees have the resources to do what they do to do their job? How do I manage a workforce that uh, I don't see every day? And all of this, they're asking, how do I do all of this while keeping the safety and health of our employees, our their families, and our customers uh, in mind? So, you know, this has been a struggle for many of our uh, members. And to help with that, that's why we've moved to this uh, webinar today that's going to focus on employment law and managing a virtual workforce, a challenge many of us were thrust into. And without forewarning, our speakers are going to cover several areas, including the top strategies for managing a remote workforce, how to help a team navigate this crisis, how to deal with occupational safety and health considerations and those legal issues that may arise when employees are teleworking. So Chris, we look forward to hearing these folks speak and uh, back to you. Three,
1: two, one. Great, thank you, Bob. We have a great lineup of speakers as Bob shared with us just just a few minutes ago. We have Jennifer Dye, who's with the Washington Small Business Development Center, Rick Goggins with the Department of Labor and Industries, Tim O'Connell with Stoll Reeves, and Britt Provost with Accolade. Uh, Again, as we do every week, we have a chance for you to ask those important questions that are top of mind to you, your employees. Uh, A great reminder to do so, simply go to that right-hand corner of your screen, the Go To Meeting box, please uh, insert your question there, and also help us identify who you would like to answer that question. And with that, we'll get started. And, And by the way, the questions are already coming in, I can see them on the screen here in front of me this morning. So again, please don't miss out on that chance to ask these subject matter experts, the questions that are on the top of your mind or the top of your employee's mind. And with that, let's get started with Jennifer Dye. Jennifer is a a certified business advisor and serves as the Washington Small Business Development Center. Jennifer, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's turn it over to you.
3: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. Uh, As everybody knows, this is a brand new world for many of us, so What I'm here to talk with you today about is managing a virtual workforce. Uh, Some businesses are better set up for virtual management than others. But right now, as as Chris mentioned, this is something we've all sort of had thrust upon us. So we're all learning as we go. But many of the tenets of good management and leadership are still in place. So I'm going to talk today about the three C's. and so, first of all, managing how how will I connect with my employees? Who do I need to connect with on a regular basis and how often? It will be very different for each individual business. So your scope of work probably has changed as well. Your business model has changed significantly. But who are your key personnel that you need to really be in touch with and who how often will you reach them? So I think one of the primary decisions is, how, how am I going to stay in touch with my employees? Where are they? Are they at home? Are they coming into the office? How Are they able to work? Are they um, on leave? You know, all of this the same things we normally manage still come into play, but we have to be a little bit more in touch than we typically would. So deciding how, how can I connect with them? Am I gonna do this via GoToWebinar, via Zoom, via Skype, FaceTime? There's so many things available to us in the way of technology, but we have to make sure that those are accessible to all of our workers. Also in communication, how frequently do I need to communicate? This could change pretty drastically, or it could stay the same. If you think about your typical workday in an office, most of us will at least touch base with our supervisor. We'll walk in, we'll maybe grab a cup of coffee, set the agenda for the day, and that needs to continue when we're working virtually. A lot of the kind of popping in the office, tapping on the shoulder, those things are not as easy to do now. So how will you communicate with your employees will you use text messaging will you use whatsapp there are so many choices out there but again being sure that there is something that works for your team and makes it easy and um and comfortable for them to communicate and then i think the most important one is is just coping as a manager are employees are in a state of flux there is so much uncertainty for all of us and recognizing that if they are working from home their environment is going to be very different they may have children at home they may have pets they may be caring for older family members there are a lot more distractions probably than there are in the workplace And so just being aware of that, giving some grace, but still holding your employees accountable is is kind of the balancing act that falls upon today's manager or business owner. I think some of the tools um, that you can forward to your employees is the importance of having a routine. Even though we're not getting up and driving to work every day, we still need to have set work hours. Now, absolutely, we can flex those if we need to for our employee safety or benefit or for uh, better service to our customers, but there needs to be something in place um, in writing that everybody's aware of and and in agreement with. Also, um, making sure that we have some clear expectations about deliverables. And this is, of course, good management always is having that communication. But now more than ever, being um, very certain about timelines, making sure that expectations are shared, and receiving feedback and being open to the communication from your employees for things that may be working and may need some tweaking and then I think most importantly for all of us is to just try to manage those distractions. We have a very different workplace than we are used to and I know that many of the speakers later today will be talking about proper ergonomics and uh, things that we need to do the health and safety of our workers, but really being cognizant of the pressures that are on them, the uncertainty and and the fact that we're all sort of learning how to do this as we go. So continue to foster that great organizational uh, culture and be open to suggestions from your employees.
1: That, that was excellent. The questions are coming in. And just a, again, a great reminder if you'd like to ask questions to this panel of experts, please do so in the right hand corner of your screen through the GoToMeeting app. Jennifer, the first question we have coming in this morning is how do we manage remote employees and how do we manage the performance of remote employees? What's your advice
4: there?
3: Well, it's really the same as it's always been, uh, establishing those clear expectations, holding them accountable to those expectations, and then being willing to receive feedback on how you as a manager or owner can make their job uh not, I don't want to say easier but how you can facilitate that best performance
1: uh, Thank You Jennifer the next question is is your advice for employers who encounter employees who are choosing not to come back to work uh, and rather to stay on unemployment what's your advice there
3: you know it's it's a very tough road to navigate for employers right now there are so many programs available with the PPP and the the idle loans and uh Many local grants, things like that, and especially our our entry level workers right now with the federal unemployment uh, stimulus, they they are actually many of them are making more on unemployment than they would working for us. So the challenge is to talk about intangible benefits of being part of a team. Look at uh, growth. Look at benefits such as health insurance, things like that, and recognize that. Every employee has to do what's best for their family at this time, but those extended unemployment benefits will end, and we want to be able to keep our good employees and to continue to train them and and offer them opportunities. So I think really building up why you're an important member of this team, why we need you, and what your contributions can be, and weighing that with being on unemployment.
4: Uh, thank you,
1: Jennifer. Let me uh, wrap up this section and turn it over to Bob Battles, our Government Affairs Counsel uh, for Employment Law, who's gonna lead us to our next speaker. Bob, let me turn it over to you.
2: Thank you, Chris. Uh, I wanna make sure everybody can hear me. Um, but uh, up next we have Rick uh, Goggins, uh, who's an ergonomist uh, from the Division of Occupational and Safety and Health for the uh, Department of Labor and Industries. Uh, this is very uh, important, I, I, you know, personally, i have missed my chair um, and when i'm away from the office and i'm noticing that this you know we have people in the workforce and yet they're still having to get the job done and so i think something that rick's going to be able to talk about is really some of these these uh, the actual work location joining rick this morning is going to be pam kant who is a consultant and program operations manager with the department of labor and industries uh she'll be there to help uh, support and answer some questions as well rick
5: Thanks, Bob, and if you'd like to advance the next slide for me. So I'm going to talk about um, mostly ergonomics, because that's a lot of the questions we've been having from our customers about, you know, how do I get my employees set up in the home office, uh, and a little bit about safety, and then if some more safety-related questions come in. I've got Pam as my my backup. So uh, on the next slide, if you could advance. Um, like Bob, I am missing my chair. I I went from the setup on the left of very nice, adjustable chair, desk that fit me, dual monitors, um, able to stay productive, to unfortunately nothing like the photo on the right, which is more like a proper home setup. Um, so even though I'm supposed to know better, uh, within that first week or so of working from home, I was starting to have some neck discomfort and back. Back discomfort and things, nothing too awful, but i I learned that i I needed to make some adjustments because i I couldn't get myself into that proper posture, but I think the goal for everybody out there is to try to get their employees into a good setup at home if it's going to be uh, an extended thing which it's it's starting to shape up like it it might be for some of us so next slide, I think if you can't get the best setup. Um, then, you know, the idea is you're just going to keep moving around. Um, so, you know, the the photo on the very left is a, a pretty nice office setup. Maybe the desk is just a little too high. Maybe the, the screen on the laptop is just a little low. Um, but it doesn't hurt to, to stand up periodically, get some movement in, um, you know, stand up even just for phone calls if you don't have a good stand up um, work surface for your computer. Um, I know a lot of the guidelines out there say, yeah, don't work from bed, but I, I break those guidelines myself. Every once in a while, I just feel like I need to stretch out. It might just be for 20 minutes or something uh, as an alternative to the upright thing. Uh, and I find it just gives everything a little bit of a break. And I'm one of those people who can work even when I'm I'm comfortable and relaxed. And no matter what position you're working in, it's absolutely critical to continue to take breaks uh, and when you have a longer break to, you know, do something fairly vigorous to get the blood pumping again. So a brisk walk, I think, is something that's still available to most of us, something that you can do and socially distance and, um, just help your overall health to, to help you cope with the current situation. So next slide, please. It's also important just to make sure that home environment is a safe one. So you're going to want all the, the usual fire protection and home safety things in place. Uh, you're going to want to avoid, you know, tangled cords that could be trip hazards and, you know, plugging one power strip into another or overloading a circuit to, you know, that could also be a fire hazard. And you want to make sure all your equipment is in good operating order because, uh, you know, any little incident that happens, you know, it, it you really don't want to get a sudden injury uh, at home as well. Uh, I think none of us really want to be in urgent care or the emergency room right now, if if ever. Uh, so next slide, please. So in addition to, you know, just giving people some of the, the basics, um, educating them on their home office setup, I think it's important to, you know, go back and check with them, make sure it's set up. Um, perhaps send them, you know, some kind of a checklist, and we included one in the handouts we sent in, uh, so that the you know employees could go through and just make sure that they're safe in their in their setup. Sign that, send it to a supervisor or manager um, for some additional verification. Um, where needed, where an employee's got some questions about their setup or need a little more assistance, maybe they've got a reasonable accommodation or something. I think it it can help to do a remote uh, ergonomics assessment, either having them send in photos of their setup uh, or doing a a video chat with them to to see, you know, what's going on in their home office. Uh, And then, you know, as needed, uh, providing some additional equipment can help. Uh, You know, at the very least, um, you know, if somebody's just got a laptop, a keyboard, and a mouse they can plug in, Uh, a full-size monitor if they're, you know, doing a lot of production type of work. Uh, All those things can go a long way towards keeping people both more comfortable and more productive. And then checking in periodically. And I know our our last speaker, you know, mentioned communication as, you know, really critical. And, you know, here you're adding kind of a a physical check-in on how people are doing, if they're having any, any discomfort, anything that could lead to an injury down the road but also, you know, kind of an emotional check-in to make sure that they're they're coping okay, because stress does feed into um, discomfort we might feel in our bodies physically as well. Okay, next slide, please. So I know this was a, just a really quick overview. We do have quite a bit of information on our website, um, so I encourage people to go there uh, and check it out. Um, there's things just for offices in general, and then there's uh, some specific materials we put up there uh, for the home office, because we were getting a lot of requests. And you can always send us an email um, with any kind of follow-up questions you might have. So with that, uh, are there any questions?
2: Thank you, Rick. Uh, We do have quite a few questions. Uh, I'm gonna ask a couple of them now, and uh, and, uh, some of them, I think, uh, I'm interested in hearing the answers here. You know, we need to assume that this is going, this uh, remote life is going to go on for a little while, and uh, it may come back as well. Does it make sense to have uh, somebody in the company take a primary role and train to manage a remote workforce? Do you see that as, uh, as something that we should be doing?
5: yeah that's a that's a great suggestion actually um we've found you know just in in our field that having a a champion um a designated person who is just focused on an issue like this um, really helps the success rate of of any kind of ergonomics or safety and health initiatives you're going to do so yeah getting somebody trained up who is managing remote workers Um, helping them troubleshoot any issues they have. Uh, I think, you know, if if you have the resource to do that, that would be an excellent thing to do.
2: Thank you. And this next one, uh, I want to, we know that employers want to do what's best for their employees. We know that our members are out there caring about their employees. uh, And that's just just the, the way things work. But what are their legal responsibilities? What are their responsibilities uh, for their home office? And I and I'm looking at this for everything from um, ADA requirements to uh, the requirement that they have a fire extinguisher and a smoke alarm in their home office. Uh, I know that L and I had to take all of its claims managers and acquired something like 800 computers and moved everybody off site. So this combined together, what does that? What are the obligations now of an employer to? make those uh, and ensure that those things are happening at the home office? All
5: right. So uh, the ADA issues are outside my scope. Uh, that's a federal regulation and there are um, legal minds out there who um, can handle that kind of thing. Um, but I can I can share at least what the, the DOSH requirements are. And, you know, it, all employers in state are required to ensure that their employees have a workplace free of recognized hazards. And when you send your employees home um, to work from there, that requirement is still in effect as long as people are, you know, working for their employer, advancing their employer's interests. So, you know, I, I think it it is a requirement for employees to, you know, have that verification step. Um, you know, you you are somewhat having to put a lot of the, the responsibility onto the individual employees to you know, do their own due diligence to go through all the items on the checklist and, and sign off on it. Uh, and then you know, it's, it's gonna vary, I think, as an employer in terms of you know, how you wanna balance that privacy issue versus you know, verifying that, that everything's good. Um, you know, we're not suggesting that anybody should go out and visit every single one of their employees, especially you know, right now. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, we're not going to go out and inspect people's home offices, uh, you know, as, as part of our DOSH regulations. But, you know, L&I is available to to help employers figure out, um, you know, a remote assessment uh, method of just verifying, you know, the, the safe setup for their employees.
2: Thank you, Rick. I think we're going to now turn it back to Chris for our next speaker. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Bob and Rick.
1: For those that joined us last week, you'll recall we did something new. We put an interactive survey on the screen, and I'm giving you just a little heads up that if you're not paying attention to the screen, please turn your attention there now. (coughs) Pardon me. The question is regarding working remotely and having your staff telecommute. What percentage of your staff today is telecommuting or working remotely? You could take a second to answer this survey question. We will share the results with you before I turn it back over to Bob Battles, who will introduce our next speaker, Tim O'Connell. So again, the question is, what percentage of your workforce today is working remotely? I'm going to give it another 10 seconds or so. Give you a chance to answer the question. We'll share the survey results here with you in a second. And here come the results. 25% of you, one one-fourth of you, have transitioned 100% of your staff to
4: working remotely.
1: Uh, almost nearly another 25% of you have uh, transitioned 75% plus of your staff to working remotely in here. I don't think these numbers are surprising. Uh, we've seen a large group of companies make, uh, transition their staff to working remotely or teleworking here along the way. So the information being shared by our panelists is really important this morning, which is, Uh, How do we help our employees who are working remotely uh, achieve and engage into our culture and achieve on our deliverables that we have? So knowing how important telecommuting is and all, there's also a whole bunch of laws that are associated with that. So I'm going to turn it back over to Bob, who's going to introduce Tim O'Connell, and run through a series of questions. So Bob, back to you.
2: Thank you, Chris. Uh, I want to... uh... Thank, thank Tim O'Connell who's gonna be joining us. He's a partner with Stoll Reeves and Tim has been years in the practice of uh, employment law. I've worked uh, heavily with him uh, and uh, and as is, uh, is also a former private practice of somebody that's worked in employment law. I can understand right now, Tim, that this must be a uh, difficult time for clients and a lot of questions are coming out. And just like our members are calling it, your clients are getting giving you calls. Uh, with the real questions, kind of similar to what we heard about the ergonomics, about the requirements. Uh, So I look forward to hearing your presentation, and uh, I know we'll have some questions afterwards.
4: Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to uh, be here. I was asked to talk about the labor and employment law issues in the virtual workforce, but also as we start to contemplate getting back to work. Um, And so I want to dive right into those. There we go. So for the, at least according to that instant survey we just did, uh, half or two-thirds of the employment uh, workforce that are at home, the question is, if it's necessary for you in running your business to have a remote workforce, are you entitled to say that? And the bottom line is that you're allowed to place it as a condition of employment where your employees will work. And if that's working at home, You're entitled to do that. I'm sometimes asked whether we should get our employees to sign a work at home agreement. And in my experience, one of the unfortunate things about asking someone to sign an agreement is it gives them the the unfortunate impression that they have a choice about the matter. So I'm asked whether you have to have an agreement, and the quick answer is no. But it is very, very wise to have something spelled out for your employees. About how it is they're going to get their job done. Uh, Jennifer did a great presentation about managing remote workers. Uh, Britt's going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But one of the things you have to remember is the ordinary personnel management, human resources, labor and employment rules still apply. Uh, What are you going to do the first time one of your employees goes on a Zoom meeting uh, without any pants on? All right, that's too extreme. We hope, but what about the employee who comes to work wearing a, and goes on a zoom meeting on your behalf wearing a maga hat or a bernie bros t-shirt the normal rules about your workplace are still going to apply and you need to make sure that your employees are aware of that uh, one of the other issues we're seeing a lot of is making sure that when your employees are working at home Uh, that they still continue to have workplace security issues, not just physical security issues, although they may have some of your equipment at home, but also cybersecurity issues. We're all concerned. I talked just a moment about Zoom, and Zoom is doing a better job, but we're all concerned about the fact that certain aspects of Zoom are not secure. Uh, If you're an employer who deals with HIPAA, protected information, you need to make sure that you continue to have adequate cybersecurity for your employees working at home uh workplace safety i I mean i really appreciated uh rick's comments about that and he was really talking about best practices in the sense that uh dosh our state labor and industries workplace safety agency is not going to come out and inspect employees homes you know goodness there's a lot there Uh, for those of you who pay attention to those things just the core rules uh, run to close to 50 pages, um, and it'd be hard to make sure that everyone who's working at a house that, after all, they feel safe enough to live in, uh, is going to comply with all of those requirements. Um, remember one thing, you do still have record-keeping responsibilities regarding your employees who are working at home and may get injured. Uh, you know, about 20 years ago, OSHA, the federal agency, Took a run at more regulatory activity addressed to home offices and quickly got called in the carpet by congress and uh as a consequence they kind of backtrack but there is still record keeping requirements and and osha's got some almost hilarious uh advisory letters detailing how when your employee working at home uh may drop a box of uh, documents on his or her foot and get an injury. If those are work-related documents and she's working at home, that's a recordable injury. But if the employee gets up to answer the phone and trips over her dog, that's not a recordable injury. So you know there's, there's some judgment-making and all of that. Separate issue, particularly because people are talking about the fact that working from home may be a longer-term uh, effect than any of us want. Remember under Washington law, you have an obligation to ensure that career advancement opportunities are not being uh, allocated in a discriminatory fashion in, as regards to sex. So to the degree that your employees in one classification are working for home and another are still out in the field, you need to make sure that everybody has the same career advancement opportunities. The big issue I wanna talk about for working at home though, from a legal perspective, is the wage and hour rules particularly for our non-exempt workers if you have non-exempt workers working at home remember the standard anytime you suffer or permit an employee to work or a non-exempt worker that worker is entitled to be paid for it Um, now you may get questions of proof and it's going to impact uh any number of things uh about how they record their time, and how you pay for overtime. You may have a workplace policy that employees are not allowed to work overtime without advance authorization, but guess what? If they do, and they record that time that I got this email at eight o'clock at night, and I answered it right then and there, and it took me 15 minutes, uh, they have gotta be paid for that time. Uh, Take care of disciplinary issues somewhere on down the road, but. If the employee is permitted to work, which you have done by allowing the employee to work at home, they have to be paid, even if it means overtime. Similarly, for your non-exempt employees, we have lots and lots of litigation in this state, making sure that employees are getting their rest breaks and meal breaks, right? Because their rest break is on your nickel. Make sure that you're insisting that their employees take their 10 minute rest break That they get a half hour at least for lunch. Uh, All of those are requirements. Along the same line is expenses. We all just kind of assume that everybody has a computer at home, a printer at home, necessary internet connections. You can't make that assumption. If your employee needs to incur those expenses in order to get his or her work done, uh, they have to be reimbursed, particularly if those will take them down below minimum wage. Exempt employees, you know, whole different Uh, ballpark, but I would remind you, particularly for employers who are putting exempt employees on furlough, anytime they do any work during a work week, they're entitled to their salary. If they're on furlough, no work at all. So turning to the other issue about getting back to the office, uh, remember, it will not be business as usual, at least for the foreseeable future. What Uh, what PPE is necessary for the person to work, Uh, what workplace modifications are you going to have to make, particularly when you start taking into account the social distancing obligations. If you have people working in a common work area, you are not gonna be able to have the same number working in that work area as you did before if it brings them within six feet of one another. So you have to make sure that you've examined your workplace and made sure that you're going to be able to take care of hygiene requirements. Hand washing is something that people call out uh, a lot because it's already an existing DOSH requirement that there be adequate hand washing facilities. So you have to make sure that you're meeting those heightened hygiene uh, expectations and that you've got a plan in place. Um, A lot of employers are instituting medical screening for their people who they bring back. We are allowed to do that. EEOC issued a memorandum that said temperature taking, while it ordinarily is a problem under the ADA, will be permitted because of the pandemic. But uh, some employers are going even further and EEOC just issued guidance that you can in fact test for COVID-19. If you find out that any of your employees have been exposed or even worse are infected, you have to have a tracking mechanism so that you know, who that employee has been in touch with and how that you can modify uh, what your your notice practices are to your other employees uh, without invading anybody's privacy. Now, don't forget even on something as straightforward as who gets to come back, who has to come back, you still have to be careful of the discrimination laws. Uh, In particular, we know that age 65 is a high risk employee So can you automatically bar your age 65 employees from coming back to work? Yikes. Raises an age discrimination issue on its face. You have to be prepared to do that analysis to make sure that any limitation you put back uh, on any category of employee is justified by the risk they pose to themselves or others. You also have to be careful about avoiding claims of retaliation you had employees who have taken advantage of any of the recently enacted emergency leave programs, you have to be sure that you're not going to be screening those employees out from returning to work as soon as they may want. Now, the flip side of that is some employees might not want to return. Uh, You know, the fact that employees might be fearful about returning to work, they don't want to run the risk of contracting the virus. General rule of thumb, The mere fear of becoming infected is not good grounds to not report to work. We may get into special situations under the disability laws for employees who have honest to goodness anxiety disorders, but short of that, just being afraid that you might become infected is not good cause to not come to work. Similarly, the fact that someone might want to work at home doesn't change the fact, as I was saying at the very beginning, it's your entitlement as a matter of being the employer to direct employees where to come to work and the fact that someone might want to work at their dining room table doesn't mean they're entitled to insist on it last one i i want to mention is the notion that uh jennifer talked about about the employee who is actually making more money being on unemployment that's a, a broader category than you might think under washington's policies uh, generally, that bre- break-even is right around $60,000 a year. So for employees making less than that, they may be making more money on unemployment than they would make working for you. And Jennifer's point is a good one, reminding employees about the intangibles that uh, arise from coming into the office, as well as the fact that it's rare. But the other thing is, if you have work for someone and they don't come back to work, uh, that's something that you can report to unemployment because they are committing a fraud. And you're entitled to tell your employees that. So with that, I think I will turn it back to Bob if if you've got any questions.
2: Thank you, Tim. Uh, we've got quite a few questions. We're going to cover a couple now, and then I think we'll probably be able to cover more as we go along. But uh, uh, one of them is, uh, is it talks about construction, but I kind of want to think this applies to all workforces. You know, you've been released back to work, uh, and we know construction's coming uh, that way, but we know that some other businesses are eventually going to be there and uh, we've called our employees back, and some are refusing to return. Uh, and and we're we reco- are we required to hold their job, or does that uh, refusal mean that they're quitting? We are supplying all the protective uh, protections and necessary and all the PPEs that are required, so it's uh, there's not that issue. Uh, so what what's what's our as an employer, what's our rights?
4: Exactly right, Bob. If an employee refuses to return to work. Okay. All right. When when in, when an employee uh, when an employee refuses to return to work when recalled, that employee has voluntarily separated employment. As I was saying, that's something that you should be reporting to the Employment Security Department that the employee has uh, refused available work, and you should be advising that employee that a re- refusal to return to work when recalled is a voluntary quit. I would recommend putting that in writing, uh, addressed to the employee, uh, either by email or snail mail. But uh, yeah, uh, an employee who refuses a recall is separating from your employment. Uh, Treat it as voluntary because, again,
5: uh,
4: I think the questioner said they have all PPE. If there's no good cause for quitting, that's a disqualifying reason, and the person's unemployment will be cut
2: off. Thank you, Tim. Uh, another one that uh, is sort of, uh, uh, we've got quite a few questions here and I'm trying to uh, give you the best mix of them. Um, again, we're open for business as an essential uh, business. We have a few folks that are on UI because they are afraid to return to work. And, and how long do they stay on a, a UI when we have them? We do need them back. And I think this kind of goes with another one that we go, you know, we need them to come back. We've got employees that are offsite. Do we have to keep them offsite if, we, if we're if we an essential business? Can we bring them back in if we can meet all the requirements?
4: Quick answer to that question is yes. Assuming that you can satisfy the requirements uh, that have been established for appropriate hygiene in the workplace, for social distancing between employees, for proper PPE when necessary, uh, yes, you have as the employer the authority to tell your employee where to work. And if that's in your office, that's where they need to come to work. Uh, again, uh, and a refusal to accept that is a voluntary separation of the employment relationship. Uh, you know, you've got that ultimate authority over the employee.
2: Thank you, Tim. We have quite a few more questions, but I'm going to um, keep moving forward, and we will get back to these questions as we go uh, towards the end. So, turning it back over to you, Chris.
1: Conversation and discussion. There again, a reminder: as Bob indicated, you have a chance to ask your question right-hand corner of the go-to meeting screen. They are uh, rolling in. We hope to get through as many of those questions as possible. Up next is a subject matter expert that can, that is in HR, and today we have Britt Provost. She's the Vice President for People and Culture at Accolade. Britt, thank you for joining us. I know people on the uh, on the webinar today are looking forward to hearing some subject matter expertise from an HR person. We've got you with us today. Take it away, Britt. Hey,
6: thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, look, I'm going to echo some of the comments that everybody said, but I'm also going to talk to some of um, the emotional parts of all this that our folks are going through. Um, Jennifer's comments obviously really resonated with me in terms of thinking about how we're doing with managers, et cetera. Um, let's be honest, this is an in-between time for us. Um, we're still in crisis. Uh, I have given up calling this the new normal. I'm calling it the new new, uh, because I'm not quite sure what's gonna come from here. Some of us are working from home. Obviously, given the survey, we've got a pretty significant group that is doing that right now. We've got a lot that are essential, it sounds like, given some of the questions that we just had. Um, and you know, I know I'm beginning to have conversations about this idea of return to office. I'm calling it return to office i'm hearing a lot of people calling this return to work and i also think that just that's something that's really important that we need to talk about you know when we go back to an office it's going to be different it's going to be weird yes there's going to be ppe we are doing all the conversations that um we just talked about from a legal perspective you know are you going to wear a mask how are you going to socially distance the office guess what there probably won't be coffee um, there won't be kitchens that will be actively used. What does that mean? And all the anxiety that it causes amongst employees. Candidly, we're starting to talk to employees about we're going to survey them and ask them how they're feeling about return to work. Then in a couple of weeks when we have a better sense about what's going on in the state of Washington, we're going to go back and figure out what our plan is because we know we can't bring everybody back. So what's the plan to bring people in? How many people are gonna be commuting in on um, mass transit? How many folks are gonna have challenges with childcare? Candidly, I think this is a whole session that we probably should do with this group in the next couple of weeks, um, because there's so much to unravel here in terms of where people are, what they wanna do, what the legal ramifications are. But this in-between time is weird, because again, we're not working from home, we're working in a pandemic. And that has really changed a lot in terms of how we're bringing ourselves to work. You can see my Peloton in the background. Everybody's got kids coming in the door, maybe pets, maybe other things. People are worried about their parents. Um, This is not a, a normal work from home sort of experience. And I can't emphasize enough when you're dealing with your employees, people that are managing people on your teams, how important it is to understand where we are we're kind of like on this ocean. And for those of us that are working from home or we're in these different sort of places where we're isolated, we're in our own little boats as waves of things happen over us. You know, it's the anxiety about where we are in terms of the economy. It's the anxiety of potential isolation. It's the anxiety of not having kids in school. Uh, We're also moving into stages of grief where people are realizing what they can't do right now and how that's impacting their business and what that means for their spouse what that means for their parents. I know my parents are in California. I'm not sure when I'm gonna to get to see them and when that's gonna be safe to do. And I would say we're noticing at least, you know, from employees that we're talking to, that's also now moving into stages of anger. Um, and so balancing all of those things out and knowing that all of those things may be potentially going on with your employees right at this moment, I think is really important to know. We're thinking a lot, obviously, we're healthcare technology focused. Having customers on the phone that are talking to us about their health. So, mental health is becoming a very important area for us. You know, that first aid of how are we taking care of people right in this moment? You know, realizing, yes, we do have some differences in terms of, you know, status and, you know, how we pay people. Are they eligible for overtime? But also having the humanity in terms of what we need to do if people need to step away for a moment. For example, we've thought a lot about this program, we're calling it variable time off where you can take an hour here, you can take an hour there. And thinking through how we can do that in a thoughtful way right now for folks that are trying to figure out what to do that are in that hourly situation uh, where they may need a break, where they may not have the childcare they need. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us to get really creative about what we can do to support people in this moment. Let's try some things out. Let's see if they work and they may and they may not. And We've done a bunch of things that I think we've been lucky, knock on my closet, Um, that it's turned out in a good way. Um, What I'll also say just again about this mental health aspect, there's some great resources out in the world. It's something that I'm hoping we'll talk more about as we get into it more with our organization and finding out some of the resources that really work. We're headed into May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so just a good time to be thinking about where this is and how this is impacting people. Managers are your lifeline. You obviously heard Jennifer talk about the three Cs. Um, what I would just say is these are this is your supportive group this is a really important group we're bringing a bunch of our teams together on a weekly basis um, just to talk Uh, to be honest asking people how they are right now is a fairly loaded question Um, thinking about how you can have conversations to check on in on people is really really important but realize if you're asking somebody how they are and you get the blank Um, There may be a lot going on in that situation and and how to support that that group of people. Uh, Managers, like I said, being super important, you know, we need them to put their oxygen masks on first. So how are they doing self-care? How are you providing tools and resources to them? Um, What does that all look like in terms of making sure that you're taking care of folks? One of our mottos has become uh, cool head, warm heart, uh, clean hands. And some of that just, you know, really kind of ties around to, we don't know exactly what we're going through in this new, new, um, but we're doing it together and showing people that we care and doing that in a thoughtful way, I think is really, really important. We have Slack channels that we use. Uh, We have some that are specifically devoted, one that's specifically devoted to COVID only so that people can get all their information there. It also leads them to a SharePoint site that we've created with resources obviously the business of benefits is really um, quite uh, fast moving right at the moment we've got the cares act we've got other things that are impacting you know paid leave you heard us talk about quarantine leave if somebody is still an essential worker what all that means um, trying to get employee resources out in an easy way um, has been something we've thought a lot about in terms of making sure the resources are easy they're digestible, and that resource center has become really, really important. And I would suggest as we return to work, having some kind of available resource center where you can talk to your employees about what's required, what their duties are as as an employee, uh, what managers duties are as leaders of the business, and just what happens if you're uncomfortable with what's going on. Um, I think those things will continue to just, again, be really, really important as we move through. just making sure I've caught everything. Uh, The last thing I'll say, and I'll say this at kind of a higher level, obviously, we heard from the legal perspective about discrimination and being thoughtful in terms of what we do, making sure we're not thinking any, uh, doing anything improper from a legal perspective. What I would also suggest to you is that belonging, inclusion, um, all of the things that we've been working on actively as a community to think, to think thoughtfully about how we are having those conversations in an organization become more important um, now than ever. And being thoughtful about it, particularly, um, I think with the challenges we're gonna face with childcare, um, we're not gonna have summer camps, we're not gonna have some of the things that we need to have. Being really thoughtful about when we do go to a place where we're asking people to return to work, what their personal situation is, whether that's from a childcare perspective, whether that's from people that they're caring for that are in their home that may have um, challenges that this disease impacts, Um, just being thoughtful as we move through this journey together and how we return to work in a thoughtful, legal, and appropriate way, uh, but also a way that I think we're proud of um, how we represent our values and who we want to be as companies. So lots to do. Uh, We're certainly not through it. Um, And like I said, I think this return to work uh complexity is going to be big for us in washington state uh, i think there are a lot of people that are going to be expecting that we're going to go first we're going to lead the way on this i think we will do so as we all have always done um, but i think there are going to be a lot of learnings in that process as well i'll tell you one of my other challenges is i've got a business in the czech republic and they are open um, so, we are trying to figure out how to balance that with doing the right thing across all of our businesses so that there's equity and parity in terms of how we're approaching this. So, lots to do from the employer side.
1: Thank you, Brett. That was exceptional. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, Brett. Thanks. I'm going to do an audible here and go to a question for Rick because we're going to lose Rick at the top of the hour and I'll come back for a couple of questions specifically for you. Uh, Rick, the question for you is, what is the best way to communicate with employees about what they should do if they need ergonomic accommodations in their virtual work environment?
7: Yeah, thanks. That's a a good question. So I I think it helps to set that expectation up ahead of time. So during that period where you're educating employees about how to set themselves up. Also mention that there's a process for asking for more. Um, I have heard from employers in the past, they're hesitant to, you know, set that up ahead of time. They're worried they're going to get inundated with requests. My experience has been that, um, a lot of employees actually hesitate to ask for the things they want. They, they don't want to be a burden or a cost to their employer. So sometimes you might actually even need to encourage, um, some employees a little bit more to speak up. And then, you know, make it part of that, you know, supervisor check-in every once in a while to see how they're doing physically. You know, specifically ask that question: Is there anything more you need to um, keep staying productive and and comfortable as you as you work for us?
1: Thank you, Rick. Appreciate that answer, uh, Britt. Let's go back to you if we can. And a, a number of questions are going to come in. I'll maybe ask you a couple of them that you can expand on, and then we'll do a lightning round with the rest of our panelists. But uh, the first question is what's the number one piece of advice you'd have for employers If you give them one piece of advice for dealing with their employees at this moment of time what would that number one thing be
6: uh be gentle <laughs> uh what i mean by that is you know we've heard you got to run your business and people have got to be professional they got to wear pants you know all those kinds of things Um, But I would really, if I were an employer right now and I wanted to know how to connect with my employees, I would want to understand what their individual situation is as best I can and be gentle in this moment, understanding all of the challenges people have personally.
1: Uh, Thank you, Brett. Maybe in a similar, uh, similar direction, but different this time, what's the number one thing you would share with employees? You've talked about the employers a second ago. What's the one thing you would share with your employees? Number one thing.
6: Yeah, you know, I'm going to take a book from the ergonomic um, conversation we just had, which is tell people where you are and ask for what you need. Um, Being straight up if things are going on in your personal life that are going to disrupt the way you're doing the work. uh, the, The more you're up front, let people know where you are, the better people are going to understand if something's not going the way that you would expect.
1: Cool head. Warm heart, clean hands is I think how Britt said it. Great job, Britt. We're going to go to a lightning round for all of our panelists, so everybody, I'm going to bring everybody back into this conversation here. We've Got a number of questions to get through in the time that we have with us yet this morning. And so, uh, Tim O'Connell, we'll come to you first. It says, if we require employees to wear a mask on the work site and they refuse, can we send them home indefinitely or separate them from employment?
4: you know, that's a a, a great question. Um, the issue is, why are they refusing, I think is the first thing you got to ask. If they are, there are medically cognizable issues why employees can't wear a mask. And if that's the case, then you've got to start going through the traditional disability law analysis as to whether you can accommodate this if the employee is not wearing a mask because of uh, personal preference that again is something that you as the employer have the ability to prescribe so you you need to to go kind of down that route uh, so if someone is refusing to wear a mask just because he says well it, it's uncomfortable uh you know that's generally just not a good enough reason uh, now if it's if it's an issue that where we talk about Something that does rise to the level of a disability, and you've got to consider the accommodation issues there, then you have to go through that analysis. And if wearing the mask is a necessity for your business, either because it is prescribed by the return to work requirements of your jurisdiction, uh, or you've concluded that it is necessary for a safety and health analysis, then you go down the road of someone who cannot satisfy one of the essential components of the job and you do the analysis that may be called for there Uh, you know we have the governor's recent executive order about accommodating uh, high-risk employees and the governor's office has made very clear that they consider having access to leave to be uh, a reasonable accommodation and many times if not most times giving an employee a leave away from work when the employee cannot Satisfy an essential element of the job is a reasonable accommodation. Uh, you want to think long and hard before you start saying that that's the grounds on which I'm going to terminate the employee, but giving the, him or her a leave until they're able to satisfy that essential element is clearly something you want to be considering.
1: Thank you, Tim. Uh, next question's for Jennifer. Uh, what is the number one tool or set of tools that you have available for employers through the Small Business Development Center? number of questions coming in about what types of tools do you have for small business?
3: Yeah, the SBDC has many, many tools and resources available for small businesses, both having to do with COVID-19 and just general business management good practices. All of our uh, advising is done at no cost to the business, and we do have a huge amount of templates and just a variety of resources available on our website Uh, which is wsbdc.org.
1: Great. Thank you very much uh, for that, Jennifer. Uh, Tim, I think this next question is for you and anyone else on the line. How can we know if an employee is taking the appropriate breaks and mealtime rests while they're working from home?
4: That is a great question. Uh, You know, I, I have litigated way too many cases for Washington employers on the issue about employees who did not get their rest breaks and meal breaks. Um, And at a certain level, it's hard. The employee logs on to your network at eight o'clock in the morning and then logs off at 5 p.m. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's working those entire hours. So you have to make sure that there is a recording mechanism and by which I mean that is, the, the employee affirmatively advises you, attests that he's working these hours. Uh, you want to make sure you put the, the specific question to, to the employee. Did you get your meal break? Did you get your rest break? And advise the employee that it is their obligation to tell you truthfully whether they got their rest break or meal break so that the employee is forced to acknowledge, yeah, I, I missed a meal break, I didn't record it, I know I was violating the employer's policy. That's the single best way you can address it at the front end from a managerial perspective. You know, on my slide I mentioned the problem that you're gonna have proof issues. Anybody who's working remotely, it's going through the cloud and there's gonna be a presumption that you can demonstrate what the employee was doing at least as it applies to accessing your network you've got somewhere a cyber ability to ascertain whether the employee is clicking away on the computer or not so you need to be careful to make sure that your your records the records of what you're asking the employee to record time correspond with what your mechanical records are going to demonstrate about the work the employee is performing.
1: Thank you, Tim. Uh, I know we're at the top of the hour, but there's some really great questions here. So if all the panelists are good. We're going to run maybe just a few minutes over this morning so we can get through as many of them as possible. Britt, we're going to come to you and the, and the questions regarding uh, where should, what type of resources are available and where should we send employees that might have anxiety issues during this crisis? What are some of the resources you're sharing with your employees and where would you suggest employers send their employees to?
6: Yeah, there, there, there are a couple things that you can kind of think about. I know in some cases, Headspace and Calm, which are both mindfulness tool sets, are making them available at a discounted rate for employers. So that's a consideration that you can look at if that's an online tool that you would want to, to look at. Uh, You probably also have resources already through some kind of EAP program. I'm fairly sure most companies have invested in this kind of tool set, and you can see what's available. If that's not readily available, there are other um, organizations like Ginger's one that we're looking at in terms of applications that are focused on everything from sort of counseling to therapy. It sort of depends where you want to go in terms of kind of outside resources. Obviously, there's crisis counseling and other things usually available
1: through your EAP as well. Thank you, Britt. Tim, back to you. And this next question has come up a couple of different times. Uh, This is asked by an employer who says, we have an employee who's tested positive with the virus, but who wants to return to work now. Uh, What can we do to ensure that they stay home and stay safe and stay healthy versus coming to work and maybe exposing other employees?
4: Yeah. If you have an employee who has tested by, uh, tested positive, uh, now immediately that sends alarm signals, right? Because under Washington's expanded definition of what is a disability, the employee is covered as a disabled employee. So you have to start being conscious about those sites, sets of issues. EEOC has published some guidance indicating that you're entitled to keep an infected employee away from the workforce. And I guess it would be my recommendation that you do so because doing so is consistent with your other set of obligations and that is to offer your other employee, other employees, a workplace that is free of known hazards. And at this point, plainly working alongside an infected employee uh, is a known hazard. Even though from the perspective of that infected employee, uh, again, we're finding out the degree of people who are infected, but asymptomatic, or even very mildly ill. So that employee may feel completely ready to go back to work, but you as the employer are probably within your rights to say, no, we're not going to allow you back to work until you pass through the the quarantine period after the conclusion of your symptoms.
1: Tim, maybe similar, but different question here. This question comes from an employer who says, I've had employees traveling out of state to areas that are hot spots in the country, uh, either on vacation or on personal leave. Is there anything we can do to require them to stay home and quarantine themselves when they return from that region?
4: Yeah, same set of analysis, I think. Uh, because here, now the issue, again, to get real technical, it's not that the individual is disabled, but the individual is regarded as disabled. So you go through the same analysis. Uh, and I think actually we can take some guidance from Governor Inslee's recently issued uh, order regarding the uh, resumption of what he calls low risk construction activities. One of the components of that is that employees are quarantined when they return from out of state. So I think if you particularly if you have employees who have gone to hotspots uh, requiring that employee to have some period of quarantine, before he or she returns to the workforce and is starting to interact with employees is something that employers are permitted to do.
1: Tim, this question's come up a number of times regarding uh, employers who have an employee who maybe has an underlying health condition, who doesn't want to come back to work, and maybe even wants to stay on collecting unemployment benefits. But that, the employee really needs that employee back. What should they be doing? Should they hold the position for this employee? Should they be looking? What should they be doing? What's your advice to them? Yeah,
4: that that is is the tough one, where you have an employee who is in the high-risk employee category. Uh, If the employee has an underlying health condition, that we know that employee is particularly susceptible to, to difficulties if he or she is infected. Um, Again, you go through the accommodation analysis and you have to be able to offer that employee an accommodation that satisfies the medically cognizable component of the disability. So for someone who is a high-risk employee, um, you have to examine what those accommodations may be. For that employee, continuing to work remotely may be a necessary accommodation. It's not preferred, but it is a reasonable accommodation for that employee. Uh, again, you know, I'm assuming from that discussion that the employee can safely work from home. Uh, if the employee's job is one where it cannot be done remotely, then I think you have the really tougher question of going down the road of of a leave for that employee, uh, like we were talking about before. Thank you, Tim.
1: Uh, Britt, this question is for you. Have you introduced a new benefit to help your employees out during this period of time that you didn't have pre-COVID-19? So, is there a new benefit or a new something new that you're doing for your employees that you weren't doing before the COVID virus?
6: Yeah, there's one in particular that's been pretty interesting for us. It's a group called Plush Care, and they are actually facilitating. So, they do their telehealth. So, we already had a telehealth. And one of the things we did, too, is we took off the co-pays to everything that was telehealth for our employees, which I would highly recommend if you can do, do right now so that folks can get access. So we have Teladoc for regular kind of um, primary care. We have another group. We also have them for behavioral health. And then we've added Plush Care. Um, And one of the things Plush Care does is they have a very COVID-19 specific service where you can talk to a doc and make sure if you've got questions about what's going on, someone in your family, Um, and then they will actually recommend you to a drive-through testing center. And the exciting news is over the weekend, they're starting to provide antibody body testing and it should be interesting as testing starts to lighten up as well. Um, So that's been a great ad for our employees.
1: Thank you, Uh Britt. we are out of time, we have a long list of questions here. If I wanna give each of our panelists, and each of you are really subject matter experts in your own field here, maybe a minute just to give some closing thoughts. And you know, maybe I'll start with Bob Battles from our staff. Bob, you're hearing from a lot of our members, you're on the front lines of receiving so many of those calls about what to do in this environment. What would be your, you know, take a minute and give your closing comments about the advice you
2: give to small businesses that are calling you. I think the first thing, uh, thank you Chris, I think the first thing I would say is is you're not alone. Uh, Everyone is going through this and uh, you don't have to go through this process alone. You can rely and and also work with and help gather information from a lot of different employers that are handling it. You're going to have to have a unique approach to each thing you do. And one of the things I want to, you know, direct you to the AWB website. I'll also direct you to ESD's website and Alan I's website to answer some of these questions. I, and also, just if you if you have questions, to reach out to us, and we might be able to help funnel it. So again, just that that you're not alone in this process. There are resources available, and that some of these questions you're asking, we are hearing from everybody, and we're trying to get that information out. But make sure you ask the questions so that we can then hopefully provide you the answer that might have already been found out. So those would be kind of the key things that I. I would tell people that, uh, that and I think this goes for large and small businesses. I think everybody is learning from this process.
1: Thank you, Bob. And I want to say thank you to all that you're doing during this time. Bob is a great resource for our members. So feel free to reach out and engage with Bob. Uh, he's here to help you as we all are. Tim, uh, you're on speed dial for so many of our employers throughout the state of Washington, some wrapping, some wrap up comments, if you would.
4: Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I, I have been talking to uh, as many people for the last two months as I uh, ever did while sitting in my office. Uh, I, I Two comments, I, I suppose, from the perspective of a labor and employment lawyer here in the state of Washington. First, the tough message, then the, the, the not so tough message. The first one is, I think the first thing to remember is all of the labor and employment laws are still in effect the obligation to bargain with your unionized employees, the obligation to make sure that your employees are not engaging in inappropriate conduct with one another. All of those rules are still in effect. And just because people are working from home, just because you've got uh, employees working in a different kind of way, doesn't mean that any of these rules change. And we just have to adapt what those rules say to the situation we're in. And with that, I would say with the thing to think about, you know, uh, most of the questions that I got this morning and a lot of the questions that I get uh, all day are, can I do this? Can I force people to do this at the pain of risking their employment? And many times the answer is going to be yes. But I really would encourage employers to take the long view. And that is, maybe I can force my employee to come to work even though their child care situation is a mess. But is that the thing to do to retain the best employees in the long run i i just urge people all the time to give thought to those kinds of considerations as well thanks thank you
1: tim uh jennifer you, the small business development center plays an important role in helping local communities uh, grow and expand and, and a resource for small business some closing comments from you please uh,
3: i think Closing comments I'd like to share, you know, again, what so many of us have have said is that you're not alone in this. It is a frustrating and kind of scary time and uh, really being an advocate for yourself and your employees by reaching out, getting getting the assistance from the Small Business Development Center, from AWB, having that network of people that you can can go to with questions. And then I think, too, having a balance of not being inundated by everything COVID-19 and, and really trying to be a source of positive information for your employees and for yourself. One of the things we've done at the SBDC is we do a daily uplift and we just have one quick email that shoots out something great that's happening to give us all some hope that this is going to be an important transition that can make us all all better and stronger in the end.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you for all you do. Uh, Britt, as we go to you, you're on the front lines of engaging with employees across the globe. Uh, closing comments, if you would.
6: Sure. So let's remember, this is the new new. I'm really liking that because I'm getting rid of normal because there's no more normal. So we have to stay flexible. Uh, I think we have to acknowledge that it's okay for us to have moments, particularly if we're leading businesses and other things. Just make sure we're practicing the self-care. I think Jennifer's words were really wise. Um, Keep open channels. I have a great mentor in my life who always tells me not to be a hero and so moments like this events like this where you get to meet people that are willing to help and you have a community that's going through this together um, reach out ask for advice like find me on linkedin i may not have all the answers but i'm certainly happy to help and i know a lot of people are as we're figuring things out uh we will get through this as a community Uh, Mental health, I think, is something that I would just, the more that you can just be aware of where people are at and how they're feeling, I think that's going to be super important for us forever, um, because this is going to leave some lasting scars as we go through this. And then the last thing I'll say, you know, the cool minds, warm hearts, um, clean hands, you're certainly welcome to steal that. Um, I think it's a mantra that works right at this moment.
1: Thank you, Britt. I plan to do that very thing, so uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, A couple things to leave you with as we wrap up today's webinar and it's been another great webinar. Uh, Five subject matter experts and and a big thank you to Rick from LNI. Rick had to jump off the line, but Rick, thank you and your team for being with us this week. Today, Monday, begins the second round of the Payment Protection Program from Congress. Uh, Congress last week put an additional $484 billion into that program. So today is day one. If you're a small business that did not get through the last round, I'd be quickly engaging your financial uh, lender and provider to access that critical funding that's available to you. And then hot off the press, we have a special webinar coming to you this Wednesday from 10.30 to 11.30 that features Congressman Derek Kilmer and Congresswoman Jamie Herrera-Butler. Back here at 10.30 to 11.30. To register, simply go to awb.org and you can register for Wednesday's webinar. Uh, They will have a chance to share with you a little bit more about the second round of the Payment Protection Program and also begin to talk about the next step Congress is looking at both in the reopening stage and then getting to the recovery stage that I know so many of you are wanting to hear more about. I want to thank Kaiser Permanente for sponsoring this week's webinar series. It's been great to have them with us as we bring the most up-to-date information available to you and your employees and your communities throughout Washington State. A great reminder that AWB has a premier resource page for you and your company. Uh, our COVID resource page at awb.org is a phenomenal tool for you to use. You know, as we wrap up, I, I want to thank the staff team at AWB. Like so many of you, they have had to learn to work from home. They've had not to only be parents, but also be teachers for those that have young young ones at home. Uh, and so the next time you see our staff who haven't missed a beat during this uh, this period of time, whether it's answering literally the hundreds of calls or the thousands of emails I've come in from you looking for help and support, please give them a pat on the back. Please tell them job well done and let them know as I do that. Thank you for all that they're doing to help serve you in this important time. With that, I would say have a cool head, have a warm heart, and have clean hands. We'll see you back here next Monday at 10 o'clock. Be safe.
0: Our next employer resources webinar is on Monday, May 4th. To register for this or any of our upcoming webinars, go to awb.org and click on events. Thanks for listening.